Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello friends and welcome to episode 15 of the podcast. Jumping in right at the top here to say got a little overexcited with this episode and initially thought it was going to be one single episode, but talked on for a little bit long. So we're going to be splitting it into two. So without further ado, here is part one of my behaviors in dementia episode. Hello friends and welcome back to the podcast. Today is episode 15 And we're going to be talking about some of the behaviors associated with dementia. So if you haven't already listened to our last couple of episodes where we've touched on the types of dementia, how they present, how they progress, and also the 10, I guess, warning signs or 10 of the early signs of dementia. So today we're going to be unpacking five different fairly common behaviors associated with dementia. I guess this is really more so an education session for people wanting to know more about what might happen or how things might present with dementia, but also importantly for friends or carers or loved ones, how to support and respond to somebody who is experiencing these behaviors. So one of the first and I guess almost most obvious ones is memory loss and confusion. So this is probably one of the key things that we associate with dementia to start with, um, is people not being able to remember familiar people, places or things. And it can be really challenging for the caregivers or families because it can require a lot of patience and understanding. And I should say from the start, with any of these different behaviours, I think the most important thing you can do as someone trying to support the person living with dementia is really try to put yourself in their shoes, really understand what that must feel like to feel confused, to feel like you're not quite understanding what someone's saying, to feel like your family members that died 20 years ago are still around. There's so many different things that they are living with and experiencing and genuinely feeling every single day. It really helps and pays to try place yourself in their reality. Because what we'll touch on with a lot of these different behaviors is that whilst for you or I, we might look at that and go, well, that's, that's just not true or that's not real. For the person living with that and experiencing it, it is as real as me sitting here recording this podcast it it is every bit reality and so as much as you can try empathize with that and really try feel 
or understand or appreciate what that must feel like for them, the better you can get alongside them in supporting and really working to reduce some of those behaviors through empathy and care and genuine compassion. So anyway, slight rant at the top. (laughs) But so memory loss and confusion, I guess it really is fairly much as it sounds. So it can progress and become a lot more severe. They might not recognize family members. They might call people by different names, become confused about where they are or the location of their home. There's a number of different ways that this can present itself. And a lot of the underlying cause is really the disease itself and the damage it's causing to the brain cells. So how do you respond to this? As we kind of touched on, staying calm and really being present and trying to empathize with the other person can be really helpful. You can also offer corrections as suggestions. So instead of saying, you know, someone picked up a fork and thought it was a pen, instead of going, oh, that's not a pen, it's a fork, you might go, oh, I thought that was a fork and help kind of prompt them along that journey to thinking that rather than definitively saying yes or no. Or if they can't find a name for a family member or they've called Jane Julie, then it might just be, oh, I think I think that might actually be Julie, rather than just straight out stating, no, of course that's Julie. As much as you can avoid that frustration of your own and really try gently prompt and offer corrections and offer suggestions, it can really help them come along that journey themselves rather than feeling attacked or embarrassed that they got that wrong in the first place. Sometimes other things like showing photos or other kind of visual reminders can be helpful to remind people of important relationships or places or people. And more than anything, I guess, trying not to take it personally. If they don't remember you on a certain day, if they don't remember your name, that does not mean they love you any less than what they used to. It really is a symptom of the disease and it's not them caring or loving you any less than what they did before they were living with dementia. So number two, wondering. So wondering is another one that you might, particularly if you've ever worked in the field, you know is a very common one for people living with dementia. Part of it, I guess, is around losing their ability to recognize familiar places and faces and becoming quite lost or confused about their location. And that can happen at any stage in the disease. Some of the stats on the um, Alzheimer's website is actually that six in 10 people living with dementia will wander at least once, and many will do so repeatedly. Some of the, I guess, common signs that someone might be at risk of wandering is uh, they might go for a walk or a drive and take longer than normal to come back. Uh, They might be forgetting how to get to familiar places. They might be trying or wanting to go home, even when they are already at home. They might be asking where past friends or family are, might be having difficulty locating familiar things like bathrooms, bedrooms, or the dining room. They might be looking a bit lost in a changed environment, or they might become a bit nervous or anxious in crowded areas, like if you're at the markets or out at a restaurant. So There's a number of things you can do to reduce the risk of wandering within your home environment and also, I guess, preparing your home 
And I would say there's there's so much information in this space that I would really encourage you to do a little bit of research on some of the, there's a number of home safety checklists available that can really help work through some of the things that will help minimize the risk. So some of, just a couple of those things to touch on, it might be a lot of the challenges with people living with dementia can be the difference in lighting and the difference in colors and shades. So things like if you have quite a light flooring that suddenly turns into a black mat, for somebody with advanced dementia, that black mat will look like a black hole. And you will often see people that don't want to walk on or don't want to go near certain surfaces because for them visually, it's representing something that it's not. Same as another common one is around toilet seats. So the white toilet seat on a white kind of toilet basin can be really hard for someone with dementia to differentiate between. So what you often see, which is not necessarily the most aesthetically pleasing, but it is functionally a lot better, is for people to have bright red or bright blue or very brightly colored toilet seats to make it easier for that person with dementia to be able to acknowledge the difference between the toilet seat and the actual basin itself. There's a number of different, um, I guess, mods and equipment and changes you can make to your home to reduce stimulation to hedges or fences to guide around a path rather than a locked gate to stop somebody getting out. I would really recommend if you're not sure where to start with that, there's a huge amount of information online, but also through something like if you have a home care package, occupational therapists are amazing and have a wealth of knowledge in terms of small things you can do within your home to make it safer for people living with dementia. So whether that's through your home care package or whether that's something you even privately fund, an occupational therapist can do amazing work within the home to set up an environment more suitably for someone living with dementia. And I guess if that is your loved one that is wandering around, as long as they are safe to do so and they're not putting themselves or anyone else at risk, there isn't anything wrong with somebody wandering around. And it might require at times some gentle redirection. You know, it's lunchtime. Why don't we walk around this way and head down to the table and we can have some lunch together? Then it might need some gentle prompting and support, but... On the whole, as long as they are safe in their environment to do so, then it is something that people can continue to do. And I should say on that, if somebody does ever wander away from home and you don't know where they are, take action sooner rather than later. It is absolutely worth going out and looking for them. And if you're having any difficulty, if it's anything longer than 10 or 15 minutes and you can't find them, Calling Triple O and getting some support with finding them is really important because there's a number of things that could happen for somebody out wandering in the community that getting support for that can be really, really helpful and sometimes quite crucial to getting them home safely. And as we touched on before with the occupational therapist, there are also a number of different aids and pieces of equipment that can help you locate someone. So if they are wearing their alert pendant or their GPS tracker or their Apple watch. There's a number of ways that you can quickly find out where they are so that you can help bring them back home again. 
All right, number three, aggression and frustration. So this is probably another one that is commonly associated with people living with dementia. And again, when it's approached with understanding and empathy and I guess even knowledge about how to respond to that, there are ways that you can help redirect that and really help support that person who for themselves is going through a really challenging or frustrating time. So sometimes this might be physical aggression, such as hitting out or verbal aggression, like using abusive language. It's usually an expression of anger or fear or frustration. So it's important to, again, understand what the cause is behind that. So one of the things that can cause anger or frustration or aggression, when people's dementia progresses, people can lose some of those key communication skills and they might not themselves be able to identify when they are hungry, tired, need to be toileted, um, have some pain that they're experiencing. Probably pain is one of the biggest ones and something that they're putting a lot of research into now is getting better at identifying pain in people living with dementia. Because when they struggle to express that themselves, they could be living with intense pain. If you can imagine constantly living in very, very intense pain that you can't express and therefore often aren't getting support or medications or pain relief for, it would lead to intense frustration. And also you can understand where that aggression sometimes comes from. If somebody has maybe, I don't know, a very, very sore wrist through arthritis and it's been aching and causing them excessive pain that they can't describe or communicate to anyone, and then somebody comes to help them out of a chair and grabs their hand to help them stand up, it wouldn't be surprising if that person would yell out or, you know, fly their other hand towards your face. It is it is commonly associated with behaviors that they're unable to express themselves. So as a family member, that doesn't mean it's your responsibility to always try to get to the bottom of what it is. But I guess if that's something that you started to witness, it would be taking your loved one to a GP to their geriatrician, to one of their specialists, to try understand more what might be the underlying cause of that frustration or aggression. It can also be related to environmental factors. So if somebody's overstimulated by loud noises or an overactive environment, there might be all the grandkids have come around one day and are running around the house that person might feel incredibly overstimulated and that can lead to a sense of frustration because, again, they may be unable to communicate that. They might not be able to say, I just need to go outside for a minute because this is all too loud. And they might not be able to make that connection to do that. So instead, they might be sitting there feeling more and more frustrated and more and more upset or scared or fearful that that can then lead to people also lashing out. And the other one that's quite common is around poor communication. So it's really important to keep instructions really simple and easy to understand for people living with dementia. So if you're going to ask them to get dressed because we're about to head out to have lunch with Susie and John and it's really important that you wear something warm because it's going to get a bit cooler later so if you could maybe just put a light coat on and then we can decide later on what you're going to wear 
that whole instruction is going to be, could be too overwhelming, I should say. So it's really important to keep those instructions simple. So it might be, David, would you like to wear these pants or these ones? David can choose what pair of pants he wants to wear. Then, David, could you please put these pants on? Keeping them very simple and short, you don't want to overcomplicate it. You don't want to ask too many questions or make too many statements all at once. You want to keep those things simple whilst also acknowledging that they are a fully aged adult with a lifetime full of experiences and they still have an ability to make choices for themselves. So not just saying, here's your shoes, here's your jumper, put it on, we're going. Giving them choices within that too. Even if it's something that they don't seem to mind about, it's important to still enable people to have some choice and control within their lives. So as we said, it might be choosing two different jumpers that they can choose between or choosing a couple of different pairs of shoes and asking which one they would prefer. That's still some choice and control without it being overwhelming and leaving them in a wardrobe full of clothes where they actually can't even fathom where to start or what's the next step in that routine. All right, so that is part one of the episode complete. That is three out of our five common behaviors with dementia and how to support and really engage with people experiencing those. Next week, we'll be coming back with the final two tips. So stay tuned and I will speak with you all again next week. Bye. Bye.